0: Friday night, I was riding my bike. Just a nice spin. But on the way home, I had a little tailwind and the legs are feeling good. And I decided to go for this, this segment, the this Strava segment that I haven't tried in eight years. It's a sprint segment. I get going, ramp up speed pretty high. And I start to approach a car. It was a little Mazda Miata that was going around 30 miles an hour. Humble brag, I was sprinting at 30 miles an hour, um, and so my question is: Do I jump on the back of this car and moto pace his car at a good, you know, at a good speed? And if I take that segment, does it count, or do I have to then just stop and abandon the segment hunt? What do you guys think?
1: It's illegal, bro. You get flagged for that. <laughs> but I'm not.
0: I'm moto pacing.
2: Yeah, it's illegal. You can't do it. Wait, 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 wait! How about this though? Isn't that isn't that basically just like a favorable tailwind? I mean, you didn't Ooh. you didn't you didn't employ this Mazda Miata I did not. to Moto Pace you. It just it was a natural thing. It was just like you know, um, you know, and a just, good wind, a good tailwind, just like a good tailwind, right? You it's just like happen- or it's
0: or it's like if you're just in the peloton and you're behind Tim the Clerk and you get a kom because he's a fucking tractor. I mean, hey, right?
3: Yeah, but in theory though, if you were in the Peloton, to to win a sprint, right, and this is your K this is your sprint KOM you're going going for, you have to get your nose out in the wind at some point to actually well, win the sprint.
0: I got my nose out in the wind to get onto his bumper. So don't worry guys, I didn't get the KOM, so
3: Oh, so you didn't
1: even
0: get it? No, I didn't. I was a second off.
1: I, I was going to say, like, don't confess to it over the air here, because then somebody's going to flag you. Like, if you got the KOM, just stop talking. I think you need to consult Townsend on this one.
0: <laughs> I'll call my lawyer. Okay, Strava yeah. Lawyer, 1-800-KOM-Legit.
2: <laughs> wow, you might have, you might have just uh, helped me. You stumbled upon a new career for me. <laughs>
0: Well, good evening, and welcome to the 103rd episode of the Yay yeah, Ride podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie.
2: Hey there, Bodie. This is the T-Bone.
3: This is Sir Cheerio, Oxford comma.
1: And this is Tom Gibbons calling in from his cell phone because his computer died. Tom,
0: good to have you back. I'm sad that I don't get to see your bearded countenance, but you made it work. You found a landline, and you called into the conference. And we're gonna talk bikes. I'm excited. You know, every morning I wake up and I doom scroll Twitter, and I just cannot believe the news that I read and the the different level of hell that we are descending into. And you know what? <clears throat> the 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 2020 cycling seasons like hold my beer, because holy crap, the carnage, the shit that happened this week this weekend uh, was pretty pretty insane. So I, I I there's just so much to jump into. Let's go into the the <laughs> the doffing criterion.
2: Wait, Bodhi, before you before you just sell the doom and gloom to everybody here. Okay. Let me just say, yes, there were lots of crashes, there was lots of carnage. Um it was a pretty it was a pretty rough week uh in that respect. But guys, in terms of the bike racing that's back and the amount of bike racing we're watching, this has been the best week of the 2020 season so far.
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh, not, it wasn't all doom and gloom. There was, there was so much racing. There was so many things happening that it was uh, it was a lot to take in. But yeah, I agree, Townsend. My joke that will probably only land if you live in New Orleans is, is that it's the Dauphiné, right? The Criterium mm. de Dauphiné. But in New Orleans, we have a street that is spelled the same way and it's just Dauphine. Dauphine Street Criterium. Dauphine Street Criterium. I used to live on the corner of Dauphine and Desire for any of you uh, Tennessee Williams fans. My uh,
2: my bedroom is painted a, a shade of blue that's called Dauphine Street Blue. In fact, it's a, it's an approved French Quarter exterior color that I, that I use <laughs> for the interior of my bedroom. <laughs> Fun fact. So- <laughs> for the rest of the episode can we just call
1: it the like the dolphin twilight crit or just the dolphin crit i like it
3: yeah. yeah and it's a classic crit format right 5 days all mountain finishes <laughs> classic <laughs> classic crit
2: yeah yes. not a not a uh, not a grand tour for the sprinters is it no so i mean
0: is is the dauphine always this mountainous i mean they had that first stage Kind of a classic-y roller stage. Wout van Aert uh, wins that. But the rest was just climbing all day long. Was is, is this a change because of the sort of shortened season, the tour yeah. coming up in two weeks, it, did, they, did this promoters change it a bit?
2: Well, you're right sort of both ways. It is typically more of a climby tour for sure. But this year, I think, definitely was more climby uh, than most years. So yes to both questions quite quite honestly
3: yeah and it usually um, has a TT there's usually it's like usually what eight days the Dauphine seven or eight days and uh, it but it also has usually features a couple of the climbs the key climbs that are gonna appear in the tour the Alpine climbs from the tour so it's a little yeah, they, preview. a lot of times they
2: uh, a lot of times they workshop uh, workshops some tour stages.
0: The really interesting thing about this, the the Dauphine is the the Dauphine is that you know it really was kind of a Jumbo Ineos battle going into the tour. We were going to see you know, we're, we I mean one we didn't know if was Froome was going to be on the Ineos squad, and I'd say based after this this race I don't think he is. Uh, he didn't look good, but you know we also we saw Jumbo being very dominant, uh, but then you know guys are crashing now, and it, so it's kind of Kind of throws this all up into the air i i'm I'm just wondering you know what 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 can happen in two weeks? you know there was talk about like you know their form is not you know the the tour is two weeks away and the big mountains are three weeks away, so they don't want to be on point and rolick is 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 too fresh too soon
1: um what do you guys think I have a question for the group first mm. before we jump into that, yeah. If Bernal if Bernal doesn't pull out, do you think Roselix pulls out? Hmm,
0: that's a, I don't know. I didn't even think about that.
1: Do you think that sort of gave him an out of like, oh, they're saving Bernal. We should also save Roselix.
3: Very possibly.
1: Do you do you
3: I think about
1: that. Do you think they were
0: saving Bernal? Is and do you, is, it, is it is it that he he didn't quit because he couldn't go on, but he was like, well, I've lost as much time. What's the point of finishing?
2: Yes, definitely yeah. that. That's why I say quote unquote back problems. Nobody pulls out of a, nobody pulls out of a bike race that they might win because they have back problems.
1: Like Rose kind of did right. Like he could have continued. He decided to rest them. Yeah. And well, I'm I, wondering if good.
2: Yeah. No, I think that, I think to the, to the point of your question, I think you're right. Um, uh, if, if, Bernal doesn't pull out because he doesn't think he can win. Um, obviously at doesn't, doesn't um, Roslik doesn't pull out if he doesn't crash, but once he, once he crashes and, and needs some time to recover, I guess um, I think you're right. It gives him, it gives him an out to, to, to pull out and rest. I think that both of those guys quite clearly could have gone on had they wanted Um Although I don't know, I don't have any inside information. Rojlick did look pretty, pretty beat up. I think I texted you guys saying, you know, it looked like he looked like a, a raw piece of steak yeah. on that on that stage. Yeah. Uh, but he but he finished at that stage pretty strong. Didn't lose any time. I guess you know adrenaline can can do a lot in those situations. So I suppose once he got off the bike and you know got that adrenaline out of his system, it all you know probably started hurting a good bit worse but yeah i mean um de- definitely that was both of those both of those uh, withdrawals were, were were you know saving for the tour related do you think okay so
0: after the dauphiné do you think Froome is going to the tour
3: no i don't
2: uh, after the dauphine i'm i'm not sure anybody from Enios is going to the tour if that was the uh, if that was the audition right
3: well we know civacov is
1: i i think they should send him to the tour purely as a red herring because they can cut him loose 80k's from the finish and the other teams will have to respond and they'll have to track him down because he's Chris Froome and you just never know right mm-hmm. and so yeah. maybe he's trapped but before the final really kicks off they can just send him on a climb and sort of make the other teams do work way earlier than they otherwise would have, which could then swing in their favor late in the stage. So I think they should take them, but we'll, we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because what's, you know, there was one stage where Ineos had the train. They had the four, five-person train, and, and they were setting up, and it was just it was just the same thing we've seen before. Uh, I believe it was stage two, and they got down to the last rider Froome had to pull out before it was his pull Bernal struggled to stay on to his train and then i forget who attacked but their train didn't do anything really right so at this point maybe those tactics that they used to employ are just are not going to work anymore and the idea of of sending Froome super early and just throwing these haymakers you know maybe trying a little bit of the movie star tactics but like, this might completely change up Ineos' game plan, and I'm kind of excited for that.
2: Me too. No, I thought it was great. It, 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 you're right, it was stage two. It was, you know, Ineos had that train, and then suddenly um, they're not able to respond, and and Yumbo and sneaks to the front with... with uh, Croistweg and and Sepp Kuss on with uh, with Rojlik on their wheel and and suddenly the three of them ha- have the race by the scruff of the neck and just destroy it. Um and 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 that's when when Rojlik, uh I guess Rogelik won that stage, right? He did, yeah. Yeah. He and, looked I mean he looked great. Yeah.
0: He looked was, that was the stage that it was like he he's I mean he looked strong. He's peaked too early, and I'm like, I don't know, man. He won the Vuelta last year. Then he also got third in the Giro and like won a bunch of other stage races. Like I don't, I don't know about Rojas like peaking too early. I think last year maybe he didn't have the squad that he has. And, and you, you know, talking about his squad now, like they, his, his lineup is is dynamite, right? I mean, I mean Chrysler would cr- crashed, but Dumoulin coming into form. Um, we got Wout, who is. Kwiatkowski times two, I don't know. I just feel like he is playing that role, the guy who can win classics, but also can climb up the hill in the lower slopes and drop riders. And then you've got, um, you know, my favorite, my new favorite rider is Sepp Kuss um, and the Cuss bus, you know, like just taking stage five, climbing, you know, through his, out of his, you know, climbing and breathing out of his nostrils does not look, you know, bad. In he's had such incredible growth that I don't know, Jumbo looks Jumbo looks unstoppable, but they also look like I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm more into this dominant jumbo team than I ever was into the sky Ineos train.
2: The J train. You're into the J train.
0: <laughs> the J train, yeah. The J train.
2: Hashtag J Train. Well they're, they're stylish. Like Ineos and Sky just always
1: felt so mechanical and it was just sort of boring to watch but yumbo actually looked like bike racers you know yeah yeah that's yeah. how I feel about it
2: I mean when you forget got...
0: they also have the the panzer wagon uh Tony Martin I don't know if, I don't think he's going to the the tour team but and uh Robert
2: I don't see uh, why Hesing. not don't forget about Hessink.
0: yeah
3: yeah and then, of course you know Chryswi dislocated his shoulder um so that's right. so you know, okay. I don't know we don't know how bad if there's any like tears and stuff with that or or anything. I saw a picture of him and it looked pretty gnarly. It was like a picture of him from the side and that was a really bent coat hanger right there. Oof. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, they're a bit banged up right now. It's two weeks till the tour, or less than two weeks now till the tour starts. But the thing about this whole like peaking too soon thing seems a bit overplayed to me in the fact that the Dauphiné has always been the bellwether of who's going to, you know, a lot of people win the Dauphiné and then win the Tour, and it's always been, what, two weeks before before the Tour, or is it usually three weeks? I think it's two weeks, usually, still.
2: Yeah, though. it's usually two weeks.
3: Yeah, so I th- it's no different in that sense. Of course, the difference is they've had less time racing, less time to get warmed up, but the main GC guys don't do that many races anyway. They don't tend to, do they, you know? They kind of have a break between, often like a break between Romandy or something, and then, and then the Dauphine, and then the Tour. That's kind of the, that's there's the two paths, right? Romandy, Dauphine, Tour, or there's I don't know what the other ones are, and then Tour de Suisse and Tour. Those are kind of like the two paths in, and so, I I don't know what difference that would make, and everybody's in the same boat, so, who knows?
0: Yeah, I don't, I I can't remember who we all picked last last episode but i'm pretty sure i picked rose Licks and i'm sticking to it i'm feeling I, good about it
3: i picked <laughs> I've my picks have sucked consistently
0: remco oh my gosh well, we'll get to that in a bit <laughs> i mean just just to kind of tie up dauphine i mean because of the shakeup of the gc you had danny martinez uh for ef winning the
2: overall um yeah, well, Strong he kind of he kind of he kind of snuck into the snuck into the win just the way he snuck into this podcast. He didn't get it didn't get much <laughs> mention until right at the very end. Uh, but he's the race winner and wearing the uh, wearing the, the the yellow and blue jersey. And also, I, he think he crashed on stage
0: one as well. So he he's a promising climber. I mean, we've seen him ride really well at the Tour of Columbia this year. Um, you know, and I'll, I just I just want to get to stage five. Sep takes the win. Got to say, you know, totally Homer over here, rooting for the American, ripping legs off in France, um, you know, in the summer. It's great to see. We, I got my crack research team, and I was like, you know what? I wonder if Tom has raced with Sep Kuss. And Tom, do you know the answer to that question?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I did i don't think it was i don't think it was a good day for me
0: yeah well on pro cycling stats you guys both finished outside the time limit at the reading 120 i think in like 2015. Uh, that's my specialty otl i don't really know much about this one day race in the states um i i guess it's it must have been tough
1: yeah, uh, Reading 120. That was a super beautiful race. I liked it a lot. Uh, not really great for me. Lots of climbing. Reading, PA. Um, it's a circuit, and you have to go up this climb. That's like, I'll bet you now I can get over it, but at the time I wasn't going so well. Um, I not know, maybe it's like a 10 minute climb or something. Pretty shallow gradient. And just after a long, hot day, eventually I just snapped. Um, I, think, I think Oscar Clark won it. I think you won it over marcotte that was a hard yeah. race
0: yeah i mean so look by the transitive properties you could maybe be on jumbo's team you know you could maybe be a wouts lead out there. yeah so
1: i actually emailed them uh when was it i think it was last august i was looking for a ride and I emailed them. I was like, hey, really want to ride for on Visma? And I, I got a response back. And they're like, well, have you ever DNF'd the Reading 120? Because if so, we might have a spot for you. <laughs> so I, I checked one of the criteria. But uh, the other ones, like, I don't speak Dutch. And I it was close. I almost had it. But at the end of the day. Well,
3: that, well, bring, but that thought... brings us on to another stat of yours, though. Didn't you say, like, today is the anniversary of your first ride for wanty
1: oh yeah so right when you guys were dialing me up lauren texted me a bunch of photos of who's course which is the world championships of Kermesse racing in belgium it was my my first ride as a stage for wanty gobert uh and it was pretty cool there's pictures of me on the start line uh chatting up with oliver nastin former teammate he was in the belgian champs kit and, that, and then i look across the crowd at noah freaking granigan is in the field. I had no idea he was there. We grew up in the same hometown. It was just like, what the hell are you doing here, Noah? Uh, wow. So that was pretty cool and a good little memory.
0: So was this yeah. before, this was before the Tour of Britain then?
3: Yes. Right? Yes.
0: Tour of Britain. Probably a month before. Yeah, late late summer. Tour of Britain, wow. same
3: that's, time as the Vuelta, usually, September.
0: That's a good memory, Tom. We uh, you know, I think yeah. we, we think, you know, that's cool, but I think you, you know, being on this Yay yeah, write podcast instead is, is kind of a step up. Some some would I say. I think so. <laughs> um, Although you well, did
3: you you did almost uh, DNS the podcast today. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
0: Last minute, you know begin- what?
1: Yeah, I, I podcast like I uh, race bikes. You know, just. <laughs> Stubbornness, and I think that gets you through alive. You just keep pushing and pushing. You'll maybe your audio quality will suck, and you'll be a little bit laggy, but you'll be there.
0: <laughs> you'll come through at the end with a good quip. Uh, so just get it ready, get your sprint ready. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on to the Vince Lombardi race that happened um, this week this weekend. The, the second classic, right? Second Monument, monument. Mm-hmm. second Monument of the year, Il Lombardia. Uh, the race of no falling leaves because it's summertime.
3: Yeah, because it's falling. usually the last oh. monument of the year.
0: Oh, did you say the? Did you? What did you, what'd you say, Tom? I said the race of falling Remco. Mm. Yeah, exactly right, and that's sort of the one of the big stories. Um, some of the more carnage was Remco kind of overshooting a turn and launching off a what sounds like a thirty foot high bridge. Uh, to a ravine below, and as Patrick Lefebvre said, you know nothing matters. You're alive. Sounds like he fractured his pelvis and punctured a lung, um, but that was a pretty pretty rough moment, um, especially in the broadcast, right? Because you're watching the race, and then all of a sudden the, the the cameras pick up a bike just leaning up against the bridge, and they're like, "Oh, I think that's Remco's bike," and then you're like, "Oh." that's not good and i Um, i
3: thought at first i was like why are they looking at that bike because it looked like it was like belong to spectator there who would just like you know park their bike at that corner
0: yeah and then like went to go take pictures or something yeah um but yeah he was in the lead group um looking strong i mean he was he was the odds on man to win but yeah that's that's a shame to see that Uh, a lot of such a strong season. And I think he's out for the rest of the year, which makes sense. And I mean, he's young and just, I mean, there's no, yeah, just fucking rest and get healthy and he'll, he'll, he'll
2: do it all again next year, I guess. We now know what it takes, you know, to, to, uh, to undo Remco, um, <laughs> you know, crashing him out and breaking his pelvis um, because <laughs> he, yeah, he's definitely, definitely done for the season. I saw, I uh, saw uh uh Instagram post where he he announced that uh for sure and uh yeah it's it is really too bad uh but like you say i mean so he'll be what 21 at the start of uh the start of next season um plenty of time for him to continue to crush it Jakob saying 1
0: Lombardia and I just want to say that for Strada Bianca I, I during the middle of the race I called him winning I was like oh he's gonna win it I was just a few Italian races off I just wanted to point that out that I just called him winning a little too soon
3: well you called it on the day Tom I mean once once it had all been whittled down you called it uh I once again got it completely wrong with my Trek pick uh, I said Niebely was yeah. going to get it. Trek had 3 out of 5 guys there and they completely fell apart immediately.
2: <laughs> yeah, they Sounds fell like apart. Trek. Uh Nibali was the first to fall apart. Um there was a pretty solid chase with uh with uh, oh, OG who who Yeah, Bok Malama and uh Chikoni. Chikoni. Uh and then Malama just fouled up that one turn uh and and didn't really crash, just kind of, you know, skidded off to the side a little bit and came unclipped and had a tough time getting started. That was pretty much it. They were they were maybe making up some time, starting to make up a little bit of time, not losing a ton of time. I'm I'm I I don't know exactly how to put it, but they weren't totally out of the race. And then Uh, and then the bungled that turn and then they, then they were out of the race and it was, and it was then clear, it was down to full and Bennett and they both looked pretty strong. Bennett had won. We'll get to it after this, but, uh, Bennett had won the, uh, Grand uh, Piemonte, the what, two days prior
3: on the Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, Three days before
2: midweek and looked really good doing it. Um, and and came into Il Lombardia because of that as one of the favorites um, but Il Lombardia is a little more of a there's a lot of climbing in it obviously but it's a little more punchy as opposed to Gran Piemonte which is a bit more climby and uh, and Bennett just in that in the final of uh, Il Lombardia just didn't have you know it wasn't a climby finish. It was a punchy strong man's finish and, and full saying, uh, clearly of the two, I mean, you can just tell from, from sort of his, you know, just the way he's built. Um, he sort of, uh, had the, he had the mustard in that race and, 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 and just seemed to sort of punch George Bennett out of that race, almost at will when, when it was time to do it. And, uh, the, the victory was was really never in question after, after Sang went was it? Well, I mean, Bennett they got away and Bennett attacked
0: a couple of times, mm-hmm. eventually dropping uh, Foolsang's teammate Vlaslav Vlas the Russian rider. Yeah, yeah, and I just watched the the replay the highlights and yeah, Bennett attacked twice and then the the counter uh, by Foolsang was kind of put the nail in Bennett's uh, coffin um but you know yeah you said townsend bennett's been riding strong wins the midweek uh i guess a semi semi italian classic does this usually happen in the fall some of these races i've never even heard of
3: yeah Um, there's a bunch of italian races usually that lead up to lombardia lombardia like that week before there's a few of them i think piemonte might be might be one of those ones yeah
0: um but you know I just we i mean I, i'm i'm i was trying to workshop a joke i didn't i didn't quite pull it off but you know last year you know bennett gets the rib removed right so got the rib removed shaved a few grams that's why he's going so good i don't know I, I, there's there, there's probably something there i'm i'm not funny enough
3: <laughs> i think that was tom just, tom just left then and... <laughs> <laughs>
1: I thought that was going somewhere else and I'm, I'm glad it was a weight joke.
0: <laughs> well, he did, he did tweet out last year. He said, he's after a surgery. He's like, just to get ahead of this, it was mostly cartilage, and it was no, it, it was, it was 20 grams. And no, I can't. So I think George Bennett, you know, was smart enough on that. And he's a funny guy. He, he's a good follow on Twitter. Um, but yeah throw bennett into the ring for the tour de france squad too i don't know he might be on that squad but i mean i would think so yeah you don't think so matt no i do
3: think so definitely yeah yeah so in both those races somebody else of interest was there uh in grand piemonte mvdp finished third uh right so he's you know and that you know he's been hauling himself over those climbs and he was kind of, even though he didn't, I think he finished 10th overall at uh, at Lombardia, but he was, that the whole race blew up on that third from the last climb, the Muro um, di Sormano. And that's, like you were saying, it's like more of a punchy, thing. That's, a, that's a serious climb. That's yeah. the Romano climb. The one that's got all the text on the road on the way up and it gets really steep in places, but... Um, he just got distanced from that lead group at just near the top and managed to claw up a bunch of time on the descent um, and then got stuck in no man's land.
2: Super, super sketchy uh, descent. Are we talking about Grand Piemonte now?
3: No, I was talking about, no, I, in this case I was talking about. No, the we're su-
2: talking about
0: Vanderpool now. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's 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 Matthew's <laughs> Matthew
3: Vanderpool minute. <laughs> it's Matthew's Vanderpool minute. Uh yeah, I'm a big fanboy. Uh so no, I was talking about the Sormano, the that and that descent off the Sormano which is sketchy in uh I mean all those descents towards the end of Lombardia are sketchy, but the other one the um in the Piemonte it was super sketchy because it was wet as well, wasn't it? And it was right. it was pretty nasty, but no, I thought he was pretty impressive on the Sormano and he dropped Mike Woods. So you know.
0: He did. Yeah. I mean, so guys, what do you think? So if he would have been on rim brakes, would he made it over the hill?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Let's Absolutely. get a ruling.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, so. Did you see where the ahead, disc brakes with the rim <laughs> No,
0: No. Yeah.
1: I you mean. Crashed him out? Yeah. Rim brakes all the way. I like. This has made up my mind. I'm going back to rim brakes next year.
0: Good luck finding a manufacturer who will give you a rim-bricked bike. Bianchi. Yeah, right. right.
2: Bianchi will do it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Bianchi did sponsor a local Louisiana team for many years. I don't know if they still do, but, hey, it's possible. Um, So, yeah, just just to kind of tie up the Vanderpool Minute is, you know, hey, look, I spent all my rural derby money on Vanderpool winning – Lombardia, which you know, the odds were pretty bad, which means or or good. Yeah, I mean, I would have won a lot of fake points. The if odds you were won. the odds
2: were long, long odds. The
0: odds were long mm. because yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's it's a bit climby for him, and but he showed how strong he is, and you know, it'll hopefully he'll win something soon. I don't know. I I liked Vanderpool his tear that he went on last year i've enjoyed what wout has been doing uh with remco out you know that those three kind of get pulled together although there's a little bit of an age difference there um we'll see um what he can do they're they're not going to the tour right his team no
2: okay so i'm gonna so. i'm gonna make a general point here <clears throat> general point here and it it, it, it may be obvious um but but I'll just I'll mention it anyway just to, to finish up with MVDP and and uh, um, we didn't we're not really going deep into the Gran Piemonte but but Bennett had won that race as I said he got away on the on the uh, second to last climb uh, and then extended his lead on this sort of sketchy rainy descent uh, Matthew Vanderpool was uh, in the sort of uh, elite chase group just behind. Uh, and Bennett didn't have a ton of time on them. I don't think it was ever out to more than about between 10 and 15 seconds all the way through and, and, and almost got caught at the line. Matt, you'll have to remind me who almost caught him at the Diego line. Uh, yeah.
3: Oh, that's right. Almost
2: caught him at the line. Uh, and Matthew Vanderpoel um, finished third in that race. Um, but, but, but I will say, I don't think that I think MVDP has lost just a just a half a step since uh since last season I don't think that he is is the uh, the rider that he was last year yet and I think that that the Grand Piemonte race really sort of showed that I I think last year uh, Amstel, Amstel gold sort of vintage Matthew Vanderpoel, um, brings back George Bennett. It just, it, it had all the makings and it just, you just, MVTP just didn't seem to be able to, to do these, you know, Superman, uh, Superman moves, uh, that he, that he did last year. Um, and, and, and anyway, so I, I, think that, I think that that is, um, yes, these races maybe don't exactly suit him, but in the final of, of Grand Piemonte, he was, he was in a good position to do the sorts of things that Matthew Vanderpoel of the 2019 cycling season was doing. And, and he wasn't able to do them. And, uh, and, and, you know, and Wout, I really think, um, I mean, obviously Remco was was supermanning the season for sure until his until his accident. And uh and I think Wout has really um brought his game this year in a way that um that you know that he's really been the he's really been the the star of this season. Um I don't know, guys, if you saw, and, and I won't break it down too much, but this is going back to the Dauphiné. I mean, Wout's Walt, role in that was really to sort of, you know, kind of control the valleys and deliver his team to the base of those, to the base of the climbs and then turn it over to the rest of the J-Train to, to get first Roglic up and then and then Kuss in that um, stage five. And there was, uh, in that that stage five, uh, there was a big penultimate climb that Wout had just buried himself uh, to bring his team to the base of and then pulled off and gotten dropped. And then you think his work for the day is done. um, And he managed to to stay on with the gruppetto over the top of the climb and catch Mm -hmm. back on uh, on the descent and the and the valley in between. And by the time he was it was time to deliver Yumbo to the base of that final climb, who was right there, Wout, gets on, goes right to the front of the pack and starts drilling it on the front to make sure that that, uh you know Sep Koos is in in position for the win in stage five. So I you know, Wout's my M V D P so far for the for the season.
3: Well and we also he won the first stage and took home the green jersey from that race.
2: Wait, so,
0: alright, we're going back to Dauphiné. So, who, <laughs> who is your man of the match for the Dauphiné? I mean, Martinez won it, but is it Sep Kuss? Is it Wout van Aert? Is it...
2: Who's the man of the match? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to also say Sepp. Because I think Sepp oh. would have... Sep was the guy that would had Roglic won. Sepp was the guy that would have been the, the, you know, the super domestique with the with the killer assist. Um, tough call between him and Well for sure, but I'm going to go with Seth because he won stage five.
1: Do you guys remember uh, a few years ago at the tour? I forget who it was. Uh, there was this guy, what was his name? He was like a, a super good climber and he sort of got stuck working for a teammate. Like the guy was preordained to win the tour. Like he actually dropped his teammate at one point and everybody started thinking, like, wow, maybe he's actually better. Ooh. What was his name? Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, I Chris- think that guy's Chris name Froom? was
2: Chris Froome.
1: <laughs> Chris Froome. Yeah, this, this sort of has shades of that. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe if they were riding for Seth, he could have done something. I'm just going to drop that little bomb there and walk away, and we'll see where Seth Cuss is in four <laughs>
3: years. Yeah. How's his time trial?
1: Yeah.
0: That's- he can learn. Can he?
3: Anybody can you? Can you?
0: I mean, it seems like that's the. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, okay. I was going to say, thinking about, I was thinking about during, in the Dauphiné, there was this moment where it was was a squad of all the French GC hopes of years past. And, you know, (laughs) it was Dumoulin and it was, it was Barguil and it was Bardet. And it's just like. Dumoulin is Dutch. Yes, sorry. No, Sammy.
3: (laughs) Sammy Dumoulin was there, right at the end. Tiny little sprinter. I
0: don't know. I think. I think that's a that's the thing, right? Bardet can't
2: time trial. Uh, I don't think. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he hasn't wanted to learn. Well, the the one name that we didn't mention uh, at all in our discussion of the Dauphiné, and and maybe this is you know segue into the the Tour de France. We didn't mention Thibaut Pinot's name. Maybe we Mm. maybe we didn't mention his name because you know he kind of pinot a bit um he was the rider that had the best chance in, in i mean he was in the virtual yellow once once Roglic dropped out and um mm-hmm. he kind of he kind of got uh, he kind of got Sept and and Martinez i guess uh he just he didn't couldn't couldn't go with either of those guys and uh obviously it was Martinez that he was in the GC battle with and uh man you know I what,
0: so you're saying Pino is looking, he's on form, on track for a good solid third place.
2: Yeah. Possibly fourth. He just, you know, when 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 it's time to, when it's time to go, um he just he he just he I don't know, he just couldn't he just couldn't go and then He uncorked a little too early? Hey, speaking of that, Matt, your joke
1: this morning. Wait, I woke up to that? I had to read it like 3 times to understand it. But it <laughs> killed me. That's the funniest thing I've heard in years. That's not that's not usually well, it,
3: a good sign for a joke. I had
1: to read right. it 3 times <laughs> no, to understand.
3: It was a thinker. It was really an
1: intellectual joke and I, I appreciated that, that. you would like to tell it now.
3: But but that's probably the main reason why I I've, I've never, you know, had a career in stand up is that it it took you 3 times to read the joke to uh
2: yeah so I, I saw your show on friday night and i got the joke on tuesday matt <laughs> it's a good one it's a slow burn slow burn
0: comedy yeah so the
2: so um, the joke matt was yeah tebow tebow goes uh tebow goes full schleck with the jersey because uh, it was a hot day and and you said
3: uh you said what i think i said that's that's letting the pino breathe letting the pino breathe <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then uh, I had a follow-up when, gag too. Yeah, which, when Pino which, went
2: for the bike change. If
3: he gets a bike change, that's decanting the Pinot.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh uh, <laughs> Brutal. Great. That's great stuff, man. You should have a Netflix special. I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh my that. god. We have a podcast. That's what we have. Yeah.
0: This is this is Matt's platform. <laughs> um well, so we're gonna just, you know, knock on a few of these things quickly here, but you know, one thing we haven't had in a while mm. is women's racing, um, but luckily that gets started again with the. Uh, there's a race tomorrow, Tuesday, the Giro de Emiliana. Yep, Belladonna.
3: Ye- yes. I-
0: it just I was just thinking in this super condensed schedule, we did we did kind of not have some women's racings for a while. You know there is no women's in Milan San Remo. Uh, there you know obviously there's no women's criterium to Dauphiné, but. Luckily, that's coming back on board. Excited to see that. To talk about that stuff. Um, but already, uh, but,
3: one team has pulled out, which was um, they've changed their name now. It used to be Oh Ali yes, Cip- that's right. Formerly Ali Cipollini, and now they're called something Coo or something Car. Something.
0: Yeah, they got all their bikes stolen. Yeah. That's
3: which happened to cruel. Trek uh, not long really? ago. To so the Trek women's team. Yeah, crazy.
0: Um, that's, that's too bad. Uh, and you know that, you know, especially with the women's teams, things are, you know, on an even tinier budget. So you get all your bikes stolen. You really are SOL and you actually can, you cannot race. Um, so like I said, there was a ton of racing going on this last weekend. There was a small, there was a little Belgian gravel race. Uh, I'm going (laughs) to just totally kill this name but it's the dwars door het hageland pretty, pretty close yeah pretty awesome. close, buddy and tom was convinced that he had done this race i was and positive i was excited because was like great we'll have someone on the podcast who actually did a race and you know like turns out you did a different gravel race tom
1: yeah some other stupid bullshit belgian race that shouldn't exist
3: so did you <laughs> did you do Charles cells? Is that what it's called? Yeah, so, well, skull cells. Twenty fifteen. Mm. Uh, yeah.
1: 2015.
3: Yeah. Wait, twenty so fifteen. That wasn't the year Vanderpool won it.
1: No, no uh, Robin
3: didn't it,
1: but yeah. If you look at the okay, so if you look at the top twenty of that race, uh, there are two things to note. First of all, there is no top 20, only 19 people finished. <laughs> and second, top sport, blend, top sport. Blender in that year was a goddamn world tour team. So you had Oliver Knowson second, right? And then a little bit further down the order, you have Snelly yellow Wallace, who now races for, I think lotto or did, mm-hmm. and then you have Ed Toon. Then you have Tim, the clerk, right? And Hey, who's a beast on the track, like their squad that year was just absolutely unfair. They could have won any race on the calendar, and they didn't win so, yeah. today. But Yeah. Looking Holy at it, 2015,
0: 2015 Shawl Shells, Oliver Nason second, Tim Merlier third. Tim Merlier got third at Dwarves this last weekend. Also, uh, your friend uh, Dylan Gronowagen in 14th, Wout Van Aert yep. in 17th. Yeah, 19 people finished that race. Um, anyway, so but let's go back to dwarves which because it is it is it's belgian gravel i mean i tuned in i i I downloaded the vpn hola and our hola 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 in spanish yeah i haven't done a vpn in so long we've been spoiled with really good cycling uh coverage access but i tuned into the Sporza feed and it was it was like Strada Bianchi when there you couldn't see the racers because there was so much dust. And uh, Jonas <clears throat> sorry, Jonas Rickart from Alpuson Phoenix Oh my god, Alpes and Phoenix won the race. But he was in the break with Niels Ekoff, and I was like, who who is Niels Ekoff? I recognize that name. It's the U23 kid who got D- DQ'd from Worlds for drafting. On the back of the car on the way back up to the after getting flat. So
1: remember that the next time you're thinking about taking a Strava segment, Cody. (laughs) Way to tie it all
0: together. There you go. (laughs) Um, Well, the fun, the reason I tuned into this race, because there was a lot of cyclocross racers who were going to be at at this race. Um, The whole Telenet Fidea Lions team. uh, You know, we had Johnny Vermeer, she got third so uh, tim earlier i got fifth um but you just look down Tunearts, narts, um winner of the world cups in the states last year winner of the world cup overall two years ago he got ninth um i don't know interesting to watch sort of like a local locally local ish belgian race um, and just see some of the names you race in these these events
2: i saw some uh, photos on twitter and they were they were photos and uh, with a post that was a little bit disparaging of the race with this with the the caption sort of like you know this is a road race question mark exclamation point and it was like some guys riding through what almost appeared to be like a cyclocross sand pit like a super sandy section where you know just uh You couldn't, you just couldn't ride straight through it. It wasn't like gravel that you can kind of ride over. Like tires were slipping through and, um, you know, people were sort of snaking through this, this sand pit. So I I didn't watch the race, Bodie, but did you, did you, did you catch that? I mean, was that representative of the parkour? I, I didn't s I mean that was a really good photo and I didn't know the
0: roads looked that bad. I'm assuming but that was one sandy section, but it, it definitely looked like a pretty brutal gravelly race. Um Tom, tell us tell us about those conditions. You've been in similar races.
1: Yeah, those second tier Belgian races are like I don't they shouldn't exist. They're so crazy. <laughs> uh that so I haven't done Hogland apparently. Uh but I did Skull Sales, which is a very similar race. And it's just—I think there was like 30 k's of cobbles, and then there was an additional 50 k's of just off-road. Mm-hmm. And when you say like, oh, it was like a gravel race, that brings to mind like a uh, like a like a tractor path or you know packed path through what no like no we were riding through like people's yards yeah there was one point we were riding through. we were riding through a corn field <laughs> i swear to god it was there were just like six foot tall stalks of corn on the left and then there was like a space wide enough for a car and then six foot tall stalks of corn on the right and then there was a crash or a car got stuck in the mud and then all of the cars were stuck nobody could pass it everybody was dropped at this point So everybody's coming back through the cars and I had to get off my bike and like go into the cornfield to get around the cars and continue, and so that's like the whole race was like that. There was a it had, it was nice that day, but it rained the day before, a couple of days before, and there was this one section early in the race where it was like a hundred and fifty degree turn downhill off camber on the cobbles, but you couldn't see the cobbles because they were under like two inches of mud. And that was the point in the race where I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? So almost immediately, there's no field left. Everybody's in ones and twos. They had to stop the race halfway through and restart it because there was no field left. And I just through sheer persistence and stubbornness made it to the restart. And there were maybe 40 or 50, 40 or 50 of us left. Uh, and then we restarted and straight away, I was on Praven Van Hecke's wheel, who I think was the Belgian champ at the time and just like could not follow through this like soft, muddy stuff. My tires are just sinking into the little dirt track. And then I was on Wout Van Art's wheel at one point, but didn't last long. And he was just picking his way over this like little tractor path. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, you look at the finish, there's 19 people that finished out of probably 180 guys. And this is the same race that the next year, I think Dan Patton was blown off his bike by a helicopter. So like the whole thing is just absolutely bananas. they like, they're fun to watch, fun to tell stories about, but from like a road racing perspective, they should not exist. It's not a real thing. Insane. So yeah, that's my, that's my bit.
0: That's crazy. Sounds like an, I don't know. Sorry, Tom. Sounds like an awesome race. (laughs) Wait, wait, breaking, breaking news, guys. Breaking news. In 1999, Fast Freddy Rodriguez b- won Shaw Cells. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's not breaking, but...
3: Yeah. <laughs> breaking 21 years ago. Breaking before Remco was born. That's like saying breaking news, Elvis is still dead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Freddy Rodriguez won...
2: This race before
0: Matt? Did you know well, that?
2: I did not know that. But- so it's breaking news to us, is what you're saying. You are you are you are breaking 21 <laughs> year old news to us right now because
0: I feel like there's a lot of listeners who did not know Freddie Rodriguez, former national champion, uh, won this crazy Belgian race. So there you go.
1: Wasn't well, he second at Malonza Nemo too? Fast Freddie! Wow. I I don't
0: Let's know. Get
3: the come on. Let's get the stat man Google on it. Google that.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was second at Milan-San Remo and second at Gent-Wevelgem. Wevelgem. Wow. Yeah, you'll get it. Three-time national champion. Second at
3: MSR is no big. Yeah. is no small potatoes.
0: No, not at all.
1: That's a
3: gone spot. All. It is. <laughs> well, continuing on from like shitty Belgian shitty Belgian road races, uh, Tour de Wallonie is on right now. And everybody in their mother in the peloton is complaining about how crap the roads are. I saw a picture of one road and it looked worse than My street. and you guys have seen how bad my street looks. It was pretty, yeah, it was pretty horrific. Um, yeah, a bunch of them. Ilio Kaiser was was complaining badly yeah. about it. Uh, Greg Van Avermaet was uh, ended up in a field. And he said, I like vegetables, but, uh, I don't like staring at them in the middle of a road race.
2: (laughs) Yeah. The photo, Um, photo I saw was a road with, with. Just pockmarked with deep potholes. Yeah. Sort of a, a road where it appeared that you, there really was no line through the potholes, um, or around them in any way. And, and, um, and they weren't the like sort of didn't appear to be the sort of potholes that you could easily ride through without breaking a wheel.
3: Yeah, um, which uh, so. actually I saw that uh, Phil Gill posted that his his wheel, which was broken from from one of those potholes. Yeah.
1: So it's interesting that all of these people are speaking up about this now because these are the same roads they've been running these races on forever. It's no secret that the roads in Belgium are just atrocious. Uh, but now we've had a couple horrific crashes and the riders are starting to speak up about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think same, that's really yeah. the, the big name. They're like, Hey,
2: this is actually kind of bullshit. You don't need to risk our lives for entertainment. And that's all it is. Same with, same with some of these, you know, crazy, narrow, winding, nutty descents in, in some of these races. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, maybe they oh. haven't been on these exact roads before. But but they've certainly they, they, but yeah. chances are they have actually been on those exact roads before and they
0: clearly... well yeah the bridge where Remco crashed was where who went over Lawrence de Plus and multiple people have crashed there before, right? So you could you could have seen that coming and maybe done something about yeah, it. Those are- and
2: to Tom's point to Tom's point last week in the tour of Poland with the Jakobsen crash um you know shit has gone down there before and people have complained about the downhill 80k you know 80 kilometer an hour sprint and and um and yeah it's these things have existed and not only have they existed and people complained but they've existed and people have complained and people have actually you know gotten hurt and so yeah Yeah. what is it now that's, that's making riders more comfortable speaking up about this? I mean, Tom, do you have any insight into that? Uh, I think that it's just gotten so
1: horrific, and I think once one person speaks up, it's easier for more people to speak up. But this actually brings to mind another memory of Skull Cells being absolutely batshit insane. The finish, I got to roll in OTL nice and calm with a couple of guys, so it wasn't a big deal for me. But the finish was on tram tracks. Mm. So there's like a road and then there's an elevated median and then there's another road going the opposite direction on the other side of it so the finish you rode up onto the tram tracks and then they had put this stretchy tape over the tracks so you could sort of like ride over it but as you rode over it it like sagged down into it and was super sketchy they were going to have a bunch sprint on that like and if the were, conditions were better yeah. like 40 or 50 guys going into that 12 foot wide stretch with two sets of tram
2: tracks that were poorly covered, and that was gonna be their finish. And you weren't riding across the tracks, you were riding parallel to the tracks, along the tracks. Yeah,
1: along the tracks, yeah.
2: Wow, that is
1: insane. It's
0: <laughs> a train I don't wanna get on.
1: Yeah, it's rampant, it's in so many of these second tier races and clearly first tier races, right, at the Tour of Poland and Lombardia. But yeah, it's good that guys are finally starting to speak up about it because I always felt like this is insane. Somebody's going to die. But like, I was nobody. I was just lucky to be there. So I don't want to say shit. So it's good to hear like Van Abramont and Ilyo Kaisa and all those guys being like, yeah, no, this is actually insane. We need to change something. Yeah.
0: No, that's important. And then, you know, you're right. And then it really does take the people who have the standing, who aren't going to risk, you know, who can. Like you said before, so many of the riders are so vulnerable uh, with their positions that it takes those who aren't, like Van Everment, mm. uh, like Sagan, you know, like Vanderpol. Wow, these guys are the guys that need to speak up and say something. And uh, I hope that, you know, it sounds like the cyclists, the, the union, is not doing anything. And uh, I don't, you know, hopefully they can, maybe they need to get a new one. I don't know. I know that there's talk of a different cyclist union, but... But yeah, it's it's got to change. We don't want to see this happen to these guys. You're right, Tom. It's it's for entertainment. Like we don't. That's not what we want.
1: Yeah, everybody always prays for like a rainy Roubaix, and I'm just like, I wouldn't pray for that if I were a rider. It's insane. (laughs) But like, as as a viewer, you just love carnage, right? Because it's exciting and you want to see the guys. But like, as a racer, I just fucking dread it
2: yeah sure. you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go on record as saying as a as a fan i i actually don't like the carnage um right you know i i, I mean look it's undeniable you want drama yeah right the, the fireworks I, i'd rather fireworks than 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 explosive crashes um, and and you know it, it's funny because I was going to use Stage Five of the Dauphiné as an example of just a fantastic race that didn't have carnage. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, the whole reason that race was fantastic uh, is because um, of the crash of Roglic the day before, which set up the set up the battle that made that stage sort of exceptional. So that 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 stage benefited by the fact that. Roglic had withdrawn because of his crash, but um, it was it was a great stage that was was not great because there was any nutty crash in
3: it. There was one kind of crazy crash when Sivakov went down on that. Oh, descent. he clipped his pedal, or I don't know what happened there. I couldn't I couldn't really tell what happened. If he would like the paint on the road or something, but he kind of like did a crazy little fishtail and flipped over. Um, yeah,
0: and then got on his bike and
3: caught up and attacked. Yeah, we were going to pick up on, on it a little bit last week, but we just mentioned a few riders. Tom mentioned uh, his uh, his friend Oliver Nassen, and we were just talking about Greg Van Avermaet. And uh, earlier on, we were talk we talked about the French climbers like Roman Bardet. So big shift at AG2R going on. Um, so Oliver Nassen's already been there, been there for a few years now. Seems to be pretty happy at AG2R. His brother's there. Did he come on last year to the team, Lawrence Nassen? This, this, this first, is his first year. First year. Oh, do, do you know? Do, he was on Lotto. He was on Lotto before? Yeah. And then, uh, so Tom, actually, here's a question for you. Is he, is he, a, is he a brother in the quality of a, a Yates? Brother, or is he a brother in the quality of an Antonio <laughs> Niboli?
1: Antonio Nibali, Uri Sagan. Got it. Good bike racer, but not a, not a world beater like Oliver. Got it.
3: Um, so so we got the Nassen brothers there, and now the big news is Greg Van Avermaet is moving there uh, for next season and bringing uh, Michael Schaar with him, who's a super domestique, and then bardet is leaving and going to sunweb presumably to replace right. dumalan i guess in a sense right i mean they yeah that's true so i don't know it's just oh. interesting they're shifting completely it's like they're just giving up on a grand tour thing
0: well he couldn't learn to time trial i look at a writer like bardet i look at i look at some of these gc writers someone like quintana you look already. We are like this. Is a new crop of GC riders is here, and there is these these riders that have been trying for years, kind of getting on the podium. I'm even thinking about the Yates brothers. Then this, I, I think about. And you know, what about bargiel another rider too? It's like some of these riders get in these roles, or they get put in this position of the of the GC rider, and really, it's like they're not good enough to do it. Like they can't, Amika Landa is another one. And like, at what point do you just say, you know what? That's not, I can't do that. Like, let me fucking win stages. Let me win the polka dot Jersey. Let me just sort of shift things a bit and quit like hitting my head up against well, the wall and try a different approach. And maybe,
3: Well, I don't know. Some web. Bob is a good example. Cause know. he did say that he basically said, I'm not, yeah, I don't want to do Well I was that. just
2: going to say to, yeah, to that point, Who's worn more jerseys in the last five years? Jerseys of any sort. I'm not talking about yellow jerseys in the tour, but just who's worn more jerseys, polka dot, otherwise, you know, Bargui, uh, Pierre Roland, or Roman Bardet. I mean, Roman Bardet is the, the guy that you would think of, of those three that's, you know, that's like the hottest rider, but it's the other two. That you're hearing the most about because they're poaching stages they're doing that role that you're talking about you know pierre roland is a guy who's you know i mean guys constantly wearing some sort of polka dots uh not anymore for- <laughs> Not <laughs> no, for a while <laughs> like five years dude but no i
0: get your point so it you know who this would am- make you know what this is who i was thinking about tj van oh. garderen T.J. Van Garden is the perfect example of this guy, this strong American rider who could win Tour of Utah, Tour of California, got fifth at the Tour when he was in the white jersey, and then he got put in this position as a GC leader, and he clearly wasn't, and he never was quite up to snuff, and that's that's okay, right? Like, that doesn't mean you're not, like, he had the talent. Like, at what point do some of these riders say, maybe I should go for different races? And I would say come back and race in the States, but there is no road scene in the States anymore. So it's like you, but I mean, like at some point, like I feel like, do you sort of like take the loss, take the L and be like, you know what? I'm not going to win the Tour de France, but I can win a three-day stage race or a week-long stage race or a lower level. And I could have a pretty good career racing. And and maybe that's not how it works out even economically. Like maybe you got to say, I got to be, I got to sign for a world tour team to make the money to survive. Um, I don't know. I just think about that. a well, lot. Well, I
2: mean, is that a, is that a decision that a rider is making or is that a decision that the teams are making for these riders? I mean, cause you know, sure. Riders might imagine themselves as being a certain type of rider and capable of being a GC rider. In fact, we've heard TJ proclaim himself to be, you know, a, a, a you know, a, a GC winner. Um, and, and then not fulfill that promise, but is that because you know? Sure, everybody wants to believe that, but but is it is it teams that are putting pressure on riders to do that? I mean, has AG2R decided we want to be we want to try to win the Tour de France with Roman Bardet, and so we're going to put that on him? Um, I think that I think probably so. I think that's where I think that's where that comes from. Not not the, the, the not the rider.
0: I think it's a combination i I think it's sort of you know sort of results play into contract talks play into a team setting up a program yeah but like at that at some point i guess you know i guess you're right you get a train rolling towards a certain goal you really can't just like you you kind of do have to see it through to a certain Mm. point um but someone someone made a joke on twitter that they you know the way 2020 has been going It wouldn't surprise him if TJ van Garderen won the tour. And I was like, hey, that's just a little bit too far, okay? Yes, but bringing
3: it back... Okay, so bring it back around to TJ, EF, Dauphiné. So EF won the Dauphiné, sneaked into the Dauphiné win with Martinez. They've had another rider win the Dauphiné. Who was it?
0: Delansky. And so, so Tolansky is that rider to me who, who, who kind of was in that mold and then like broke so bad that he had to go fucking do triathlons.
1: I got thoughts. <laughs> so these guys, they, they are, they sacrifice so much to be ready for the tour, right? Like, I do not envy a grand tour rider because they just have to be. Crazy about the training, crazy about the recovery, crazy about what they eat—every little thing that goes into their body. They don't get to have normal lives, and bike racers have actually said this themselves. Like bros, like I would, I would never envy a Grand Tour rider just because what they have to put themselves through. Right. And I think if you're honest with yourself and you look at the top guys, you could be fifth at the Tour and never, ever, ever have a shot of actually winning it. Because maybe physically you're there or thereabouts, but if you're not on the team that's going to support you like Yambo Visma this year or Anyo slash Sky for the past decade, then just forget it. It's never going to happen. And so why not refocus yourself, take yourself out of that really toxic mm-hmm. environment of the Grand Tour mentality, develop some punchiness, and then hunt these other races like Lombardia, Piemonte like become more of an all arounder use your physiology and your climbing strength to sort of back a punchier rider profile and yeah, hunt polka dots, hunt stage wins, hunt, uh, monuments and actually enjoy your life a little bit more Then that. That always strikes me as crazy when these guys, yeah, bang their head, bang their head against the wall for, you know, 15 years, just to be eighth at the tour. And it's like, you could have had a very fruitful career doing something else enjoyed
3: it more and had more success. Yeah. And sp- and, and and to that level, right. there's only one guy I can think of right now in the current world tour who's been capable of doing both of those things. Uh, Steph well, we don't know. We don't <laughs> know that Thomas. yet. Uh, yeah. no, no, close. But there's somebody who's even more, who's been even more successful than that actually significantly more successful than that. Nibali? Yes, exactly. Nibali. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nibali yeah. Well, I think Nibali is an exceptional talent and that he's just also a really good bike racer too, so he like he has the skills to descend, right? Which being a demon descender opens up your doors for a lot of different opportunities, right? So, yeah.
3: That's, but he's also yeah. he's an it's attacking exciting racer as well.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. It was in, it was interesting to see him in Lombardia struggle and, and get dropped, right? And him get dropped by a full saying and Bennett, and it's it's sort of like, you know, he's peaked, right? We we he's on the he's on the downslope of his career, right? I mean it has to be. I mean he's I don't. I don't seriously think. Is he going to the tour?
3: Or is zero, he going I think. To
0: zero. Okay. I mean, I don't think he's going to win a Grand Tour again. But maybe he will. But it was. It was interesting to see that it was sort of kind of like this. This end of an era, a little bit. You know, it's kind of sad. But you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm wildly speculating now. Go ahead, Tom.
1: Is Google song going to the tour good question
0: that's a good question who is this st- uh, I suppose Lopez yeah.
3: Mm.
0: oh so, yeah, Superman where he has been so
3: he looked okay on on Sunday he looked okay yeah he
2: was animating yeah. he was animating stage five I mean he, he looked he, like he was he, he, he was
3: getting dropped and then he did total like I was saying that was a total badger move he got like completely dropped clawed his way back up and immediately just went straight off the front and attacked. yeah well,
2: that that was his that was his final stick of dynamite right I mean, he, he that was literally he, he i guess sensed that the tank was getting empty and 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 he was just going to go ahead and empty it and see what happened and it for a second it it looked like he was about to get away but uh didn't and then ultimately was you know not just reeled in but 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 then summarily
3: dropped um, but you'd have to say fuglesang is potentially he hasn't fulfilled on the Grand Tour front. He's filled on the Monument front. You know he's got two monuments now, and but he looked, but he's been there or thereabouts think, in Grand Tours. Who knows?
0: You he's British the, people love there and thereabouts.
3: <laughs> Sorry, he's the reverse rem. The reverse rem. What did the what? So the reverse Remco. Did you say so? Yeah, Remco came out of
1: nowhere and set the world on fire, right? And we expect him to have, you know, a 20-year career, and he's going to win 500 races, and he may well do that. Google Song, early in his career, was touted to be a great thing, and, and then it never really took off for him. And he was sort of considered, like, washed up, unfulfilled talent. And now he's 35 years old. He's won two monuments in the past year. He was a silver medalist at the 2016 Rio Olympics uh he won the Dauphiné in 2017 like he it should be on the way down and he's getting better as he goes deeper into his 30s so I wouldn't be surprised if he what was he second at of Bianchi he,
3: he, this year was he second this year
0: yeah was he no he wasn't second this year but he was second last year. but he won it but, he had the battle all season but didn't Philippe. he win it before
1: yeah, yeah so I don't think so. I don't know. Anyway, he's just getting better, like the older he gets, and so I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled something out of his hat. Maybe not this year, but you know, <sighs> right, he's growing so, on me. Yeah.
0: Foolsing is is the Anamiek Van Vluten of the men's mm. pro peloton, is what you're saying? Well, well not quite, <laughs> but he's,
1: he's okay. He's yeah, getting,
0: getting getting better with age. Um, yeah, I Foolsing kind of dodgy. Doping past though? Or am I confusing? No, him he's with just on Astana. Else? You're
1: confusing him with the entirety of professional cycling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get out of here. We've spoken too long. You need to get on to your next podcast. So, Townsend, why don't you start the sign offs?
2: All right. Well, this is a T Bone. Uh, and like uh, a number of us on this podcast, I have hopped. Onto the cusp bus <laughs> um, Or if you pref- If you prefer <laughs> in French I have hopped onto the Cus Bus <laughs>
3: <laughs> And this is Sir Cheerio and I'm still going to keep My tour produc- prediction It's going to be Bernal Again
1: This is Tom Gibbons, and uh, Remco is still going to win the tour
2: <laughs> With a broken <laughs> okay. pelvis I love it
0: Oh, I, I believe it. This is the Bodie Bodie, also known as Michael. You can email us any questions, comments, or concerns to yayuride at gmail.com. Also slide into the DMs of the yayuride yeah Ride Instagram. Um so long and thanks for listening to this podcast. Good night. So what's weird is that I got signed out of my Zoom during the middle of this call.